Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Deep Thoughts, Simple Truths. My name is Matt. Thanks for coming and hanging with me. And my guest, I do not have a dad joke. I have someone in person. I'd like to introduce you to my friend, Eric Summerhauser. How's it going this morning? What's going on, Matt? Man, <laughs> come on. I'm glad to be here, dude. This is going to be fun. Yeah, well, come on. Um, tell me about yourself in a nutshell. Yes, um, me in a nutshell. I am married to a beautiful wife named Kate. We've got two beautiful kids, three and almost two years old. So it's a busy household for us. Uh, I get to never planned on doing this, Matt, but now I work for a church. Cool. Um, my background is in risk management and insurance, and I now work for a church. I did not see that coming. I work for Valley Creek Church, which you you uh, get to be a part of with me. Yep. And uh, my role is called a next steps director. No one knows what the heck that means, <laughs> except <And> so, you. <laughs> and so, so, man, we when we started our church, we had this vision of saying we wanted to be a church that helps people take their next step on their journey with Jesus. Very and important. And so, so really, it was like, man, we need somebody that's going to be what you would think of as like a discipleship director, someone that's going to be passionate about helping people, not just lost people, but find Jesus, but even helping Christians actually continue to take steps on their own journey with Jesus. And so really, I, I was so attracted to that. I was so attracted to it for myself because I'd seen the journey of taking next steps for myself and how much that changed how I was as a husband, who I was in work, who I was as a, as a son, as a brother, as a friend. Um, I saw all these next steps with Jesus was changing every area of my life. And so I was like, man, if I could just do that and help other people experience <laughs> that, that would be the best job ever. And sure enough, by the grace of God, they actually invited me to get paid to do that, man. And so I get to, I get to get front row seat to people actually taking next steps on their journey with Jesus, man, which can oh, be as, cool. sig as significant as a baptism. It can be as simple as someone just changing the way they believe about themselves or talk to themselves. It can, it, so I mean, it's it's all of it's yeah. important, right? All of it's a big deal, and so I get to see life cha change, man. I get to see life transformation. How cool! And really, that's what I do. And so I'm I'm kind of get to be all things discipleship, all things movement uh, with our family, and it's been a blast, man. Nice. Seriously. How long have you been doing that now? I started January 2020. The weirdest Ooh, year ever right? to start in church ministry, man. <laughs> I, I jumped in. My wife was like nine months pregnant with our first. Right. So she's yeah. like, so wait, you're not taking the insurance job that's guaranteed to you in the hopes that you're going to start working for a church and we're about to have a kid and what is happening right Whoa, now? Oh, yeah. And then three months in, COVID. And so it's like, oh, man, the church has never in our lifetimes ever stopped meeting. I know. And now you work for a place that isn't even doing the thing that they're like made to do <laughs> and created, yeah, created to do. Are we going to be okay? And sure enough, we were, man. And so it's been a, it's been a blast. I think we end every single year, my wife and I, and we sit in bed and we go, I don't know if we got to help that many people this year, but all I know is, man, I'm so grateful we're here. I'm so like, God is doing so much in us. And I would, like I said, I would do this job even if I never got to see the fruit of any of anyone else's next steps. Yeah. Because I've changed, man. And I keep getting changed as I try to actually go on mission with God for other people. That's so cool, man. Yeah. Wow. It's cool. I didn't know a bit of that. Okay. Nice. Yep. Um, that's a great tie-in to what we are going to be talking about today. There are things called circles, circles. at our church. Yeah. And there are three of them. And for a lack of our video podcast, I want you to imagine 
three circles that are all intertwined in the center. Each overlaps the other, and there's no circle that's separate from the other two. So they're very intertwined, inter intermingled. I was thinking about the pattern of it. And have you guys seen that Trinity symbol? It looks like a triangle with curves and such. Just extend those curves out and make circles out of them enough to put words in them. So we're going to be talking about three things in these circles. Eric, take it away. Yeah, so the three <clears> circles, <throat> what this is, is it's a, it's a simple illustration to demonstrate what the gospel means and what the gospel actually is. So the gospel is, is literally good news. But to sum up the gospel, most people are, are always trying to come up with creative ways to actually simplify this, particularly for Christians to be able to actually share the gospel with the people in their families, the people they work with, the people they're around. And so there's not always been an easy way. Some people have done the like, hey, just go straight to John 3.16, you know, and, and just right. that's, that's the most simplified version of the gospel. Um, but we always saw the gospel as something a little bit bigger than one verse. And so really we wanted something that, how do you take a complex subject like the entirety of the gospel, right. the entirety of the scriptures really, <laughs> and boil it down into a, a portable, easy way to share what Jesus has done and what Jesus has accomplished. And so really we came up with this idea of the three circles and the three circles, what they are is like you just said, they're three circles intertwining together in one place. And it starts with the first circle, which is the circle of identity. Okay. So we said the first thing that God is doing is he's actually trying to reconcile people's identity. You'd actually see in, in Romans 5, 19, it says, For just as through the disobedience of the one man, Adam, many were made sinners, identity statement. Mm -hmm. So also through the obedience of the one man, Jesus, the many will be made righteous. We start the whole gospel story with really saying, hey, through the disobedience of Adam, we actually wrecked our identity as humanity. We wrecked our identity of being image bearers, of being the people that we were created, that God designed us to be. And we lost that when we actually sinned, right? When they took the fruit of the tree and they disobeyed what God had asked them to do, Adam and Eve had fallen. And now they no longer were just people who sin. They actually took on a new identity. They had become sinners. They become people that were disobedient, disobeying God. And then we say, though, on the flip side of that, so what Jesus has done, so when the Jesus came, he actually came to restore your identity as an image bearer, as mm -hmm. a beloved son or a beloved daughter created by God. And so one of the most basic principles of the start of the gospel for us is truly to say that Jesus came to restore our identity. What was lost in Adam has now been found again in Jesus. And so inside that circle, if you're thinking about the circle is actually in front of you, you would, we'd actually usually write the words. If I, was, if I was actually sharing the gospel with somebody, I would actually say, so, so how do you actually have that identity shift? It starts with three simple words, receive his grace. Whoa. And so inside that identity <laughs> circle, we literally say, so how do you, how do you go from being a sinner to being made righteous? Right. Two different, uh, how do you go from being an old creation to an entirely new creation? And we just say it simply this way. The gospel teaches us that we just have to receive his grace. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Yeah. And so we genuinely believe that grace is not only, not only forgiveness, it's also grace is supernatural empowerment to live in a completely new identity. Yeah. It's supernatural empowerment. And so that is actually the foundation and start of the entire three circles is we start with saying that we have gone from being children of darkness to children of light now in the Lord. There's all, right, mm -hmm. it's all over the Bible. It's everywhere that you look, you're seeing that God has, what really 
what Jesus has done is restored our identity and changed us. And so we, again, we say that all, that all starts with receiving his grace. And so what, one of the, this is, even grace can be kind of a religious term. True. Um, and so, again, grace just means really the favor, the favor, like undeserved favor, right? It's a, a yeah. way we've often heard it said. I find it's really helpful to actually have three words in mind to help you distinguish what grace is. We say those three words, judgment, mercy, grace. Yeah. So judgment is I get what I deserve. Yes. Mercy is I don't get what I do deserve. Ooh. Grace is I get what I did not deserve. Yeah. So okay. we we've always described it as if you're driving a car, judge and you you speed. Let's say you're you're going fifty in a thirty, Ooh. or in a school zone. I've done that before, man. That one that one's expensive. Oh. <laughs> Judgment is police officer pulls you over. Write you your ticket. You need to go pay for your fine. That's judgment. I got what I deserved. I Correct. broke the law. I was speeding. Mercy is he pulls me over. He might do the like classic, hey, that was that was way too fast. You're going way too fast in a school zone. Sure. But you know what? I'm not going to give you the ticket this time. Just make sure you slow down. Maybe everyone, everyone, every one of us maybe have had the good luck or good fortune <laughs> of right. actually seeing a police officer be kind enough to not give us the ticket that we deserved. Grace, though, is completely radically different. See, because that second picture was mercy, and sometimes we mix up the words mercy and grace. Yes, okay. We think that what Jesus did is he just really got rid of all the sin stuff for me. Sure. But here's what grace actually is. When we say receive his grace, what we mean is it's almost the equivalent of I'm speeding, I don't deserve it, and he walks up to me and says, hey, not only am I not going to give you a ticket for speeding, I've actually bought you a brand new Porsche and I'm going to actually give you a new car. So why don't you step out of the vehicle? Because I've got a brand new vehicle for you to actually drive in. Dude. That's grace. It, it, it's so beyond what makes sense. Like, I mean, again, if you literally thought of that picture, you'd be like, this, this is impossible. Right. I mean, you'd be like, this is impossible. There's no way right now a police officer is giving me a new car. Right. That's what grace is. It's, it's not only of the forgiveness of sin. It's actually the empowerment to live a whole new lifestyle, a whole new creation, a whole new way of being human. Yeah, and so Jesus came to really reconcile and restore our identity, and that's the foundation of the first circle. Dude, that's What's very good. I, I, I know that each of those are very, very powerful. Um, and we, uh, the Islam religion has. Uh, oh, it's it's just by the mercy of God. They they put it all on Him yep. as if He can be merciful to whom He does, which is fine. But there's no other anything aside from judgment that they have that mm-hmm. even helps them to to do their life so grace being i've heard it said it's like the supernatural power of god yeah. that helps you to live a new life but in in that uh speeding analogy it just it blows my mind of how good the grace of god is and it's not it's not just a simple christiany term amazing grace how sweet the sound it's it's there. It's present. It's real. It uh, it yes. changes yes. how you live. Yeah. So it's, it's very... and it's like scandalous, man. Dude, it's like a, yeah. It's like this doesn't make sense, man. If you think about it, every other religion has the words judgment and mercy somehow kind of as- assumed in them, ba- yeah. kind of baked in. But grace is just this new word that doesn't like. Jesus just brought this whole new reality that nothing else has ever brought before. No one else has ever brought before. Even 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 the Jewish faith, it's like they had judgment. They understood that really well, yeah. and they had a sacrificial system, and they understood mercy really well. But the idea of grace just is 
is something so new and powerful that Jesus brought to the fulfillment of, of restoring this identity for us. Yeah. Wow. Then you move on. So that's circle one. Remember, we've got three kind of interlocking circles. Correct. So the second circle you move into, once you've received his grace and had a restored identity, is we say circle two is all about relationship. See, Jesus not only came to restore our identity, but he also came to reconcile our relationship with God. When Adam and Eve sinned, it not only turned them into sinners, a new identity statement, it also, if you remember the story from from the garden, they're actually banished from the presence of God. They're banished from the Garden of Eden. Yeah. So they lost relationship with the Father. Yeah. And so what Jesus did is he actually came to allow us to experience his presence. So if you were looking at circle number number two, just like in the first circle we said receive his grace, inside of circle number two, you might write the words if you're going to share the gospel, experience his presence. See, yeah. when Jesus died on the, on the cross, there's a really beautiful picture that you actually see in the Gospels, which is it says that the veil, That's the what veil I was of the temple, yeah, yeah, come on. The <laughs> veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Yep. And so, really, when Jesus came, Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection, actually was proclaiming through a picture like the curtain being torn. Hey, there is now no separation between you yeah. and God. Yeah. Even if you go back to the garden, there's constant separation, right? There's the flaming sword, the, the angels yep. outside the garden. He's basically saying, hey, and in the temple system, you are only allowed to go in so far, right? You're only right. allowed to go so far into the presence of God because we were sinners, right? right? And so with this new restored identity, what it's done is we've actually got access now to go to the Father. So a, qu- a quick verse that we usually use is Ephesians 3.12 which is in him, Jesus, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Yeah. So Jesus came not only to restore our identity, but to actually reconcile a relationship with the Father, where now we can just go with full freedom and confidence right into the presence of the Lord. I I relate it to, essentially, my kids, once they know how loved I am, they will... Like, it doesn't matter where I'm at, even if I'm in the middle of a really serious conversation at church or something, sure. like with somebody having a, having a really cool ministry moment, Yeah, my three-year-old son has complete freedom and confidence <laughs> to just run up right to me and grab me. And it really doesn't matter what context is happening, right. what, ha- what has happened that day. It doesn't matter if he had a meltdown earlier. He knows he can just run right up to his dad and squeeze him. It doesn't matter what dad's up to. It's like, Man, I, my son knows this, knows what it's like to experience his dad's presence. He's yeah. like, I, I can just go anytime I want to and have access to my dad. And really, that's what Jesus has accomplished for us, is now as his sons and daughters, we actually can just go to our dad anytime we want to. If we, whether we messed up today, whether we messed up a thousand times today, yeah. we can still just go right into his presence with confidence because of what Jesus has accomplished. There's now no barrier between us and God. And so we, we usually use the words that, you know, when you were a slave to sin, there's nothing you could do to get yourself out of, out of sin. But now you've been called in Jesus a slave to righteousness. Yeah. It's a very interesting phrase, right? But it's like, yes. I'm actually chained to righteousness. So that means there's nothing bad now I can do to not have a good standing with my dad. Right. There's no sin I can mess up. There's, no, there's nothing I can actually do. I'm a slave now to righteousness. 
I, I no matter what now get to go to my dad. I get no matter what now have access to the father. And so there's this beautiful just, just image of being able to actually experience his presence once we have this new identity that's saying, man, well, I'm, a, I'm a beloved son, I'm a beloved daughter of the Lord. Yeah. So experience his presence. I remember hearing the story of, it might have been JFK as president, and he's in the Oval Office, and he's doing whatever kind of business he is. And his um, however many year old son could walk into yeah. and come right up to his dad in the middle of whatever. Yeah. And so, isn't there a picture of almost the? I think it's like the kid is like under the de- oh under the Oval I've Office seen desk that picture, or something. Yes. And you're like, man, yeah, it's you're like you're in the, the presence of something so you know, high, high honored right. role, place, position. And you're like playing on the ground <laughs> underneath his feet. <laughs> yeah. It's this beautiful picture, right? Of like yeah. the beauty of God, the holiness of God. Yeah. But now we have complete access like little kids to run up to our dad and just be with his presence. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Come on. And so then the last, the last circle. So you go from restored identity reconciled relationship. And basically, if you think of those two circles as interlocking together right beneath them and kind of interlocking with those two would be this circle we call purpose. So the gospel, and this, I actually think this is a big one. This is one that we don't always associate with the gospel. It's almost like we, we associate the gospel as, as that first two, like, yeah, you know, through Jesus, I now am righteous, I'm holy, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, or I'm good, I'm covered. <laughs> like, right. All my bad stuff has now been taken care of. Sure. Um, and so now I actually can, you know. On my way to heaven. Yeah, I'm on my, yeah I, got my, I got my ticket to heaven, right? Sure. It's like, that's kind of the first two, but we don't always see the gospel. And this is why we've said from the beginning that grace is supernatural empowerment. We don't always see that the gospel really, the whole gospel story always involves purpose. This yeah. is always significant. And so you can see this theme running all throughout the Bible, which is, starting in Genesis 1, right? He creates Adam and Eve and he says, he blesses them. And he says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Yeah. Using all my vast resources for the service of God and man. And so from the very beginning of Genesis, he actually declares there's a, there's a purpose I have. I've created you to rule and reign with me. Yeah. I didn't just create you for your, a recon- or a re- yeah, a restored identity. I didn't just create you to have a relationship. I wanted our relationship to go do some things. Like, let's go do some dreaming together. Let's go do some designing together. Let's go create the future together. And so this is a really key part to us of what the gospel means. And I don't think there's a, this is, again, this is why we use the three circles together is because we believe that if you want to help someone that doesn't know the gospel fully know it, you can't, you can't exclude any one of these circles. Yeah. And so inside the purpose bubble or inside the purpose circle, just like we wrote in the first one, receive his grace. And the second one, we would write experience his presence. If I was sharing this with someone else, I would say the third circle inside there, I'd say, have, go ahead and write release his kingdom. Ooh. And so again, from Genesis 1 to, to the Israelites, you remember when he called out Abraham, you can see the, the play of these three circles leading to this third circle, right? Where yeah. he, he calls out Abraham, identity. He actually creates a covenant relationship yeah. with his people. But then if you remember, there's a verse in Abraham that says, I will bless you and you will be a blessing blessing to the nations. And so even with the Abrahamic story and the covenant with Israel, you see that none of this was ever intended to just stay in circle one or circle two. It was intended to lead to this purpose that was actually going to bless the 
the entirety of the world, all of humanity, all of creation yeah. was going to be blessed through this gospel work, through the, through the good thing that God was doing in humanity and why he made us. And so we think it's, it's immensely important to actually talk about purpose, man. You've been created to do some stuff in Jesus' name. Like yeah. you are God's handiwork created in advance to do good works, good right? Works. Yeah. You've been created to make disciples, to go just as Jesus was sent. He says, now I'm sending you. You mm-hmm. have been called to be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, to the ends of the earth, Sumeria. And so really we feel like it's, it's so important now for us to actually empower people to live a whole new lifestyle. If mm-hmm. I have a whole new life, a whole new relationship, it now empowers me to live a whole new lifestyle of actually being a blessing to the nations. We actually get to fulfill what God was doing through Abraham, through the Israelites, and then ultimately through Jesus. We get to be a blessing to the, to the world around us. And so we really feel like it's our job. It's now our commission. Yeah. It's now our responsibility <clears throat> with the gospel to release his kingdom. There's some good things for us to go do, Matt, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I was remembering from um, listening to Pastor John uh, Strickle. Yeah. And he, I wasn't there for it, but previously he starts with the relationship um, or I'm sorry, he starts with the identity circle yep. and he moves right to purpose and he joins those two because he goes, okay, church family, um, fish, swim, swim, uh, cows, moo. moo. And then there was the one where either, or it was the, the cat one, yeah, whichever one. Cats annoy. <laughs> <laughs> but he joined those two circles incredibly well because you are, um, you have a new identity yep. that enables you to have a purpose. Um, so something that is created in God's image of you being who you are, a, a son, a child of God in right relationship with God enables you to fulfill your purpose. You have talents, you have skills, you have abilities, yes. you have the same kind of, we'll call it like creative power. You're, you're, teaming up with God to make something for the good of man and the glory of God. Well said. And your purpose in this life is what I think a lot of people are looking for. They want to feel valued like they've done something like um, you just have this sense of I, I, you look back and man, I should have spent more time with my family. I should have done these things like on purpose, purposefully should have done those things. And when you, team up with what God is doing, you begin to experience his grace and his presence and your living life on purpose. Yes. And there is the totality of how the gospel changes you because now you're not looking to the world. Yeah. You, you know who you are, you yep. know who God is yes. and you know what you were created and man, what a beautiful picture that yes. is. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've always, <clears throat> that again, since I've been a part of our family here, I have been so drawn by that phrase that you're that you're describing, which is identity determines behavior. So yeah, yeah. It's, it is it is who you are. That's why it, that's why it goes in that order of identity, relationship, purpose. Because once you know who you are, it actually determines what you do, and that's that is your whole analogy. And how how it actually finishes is sinners sin. Right. Yeah, identity determines behavior, but then righteous people start to live righteously. Yeah. And so it's the whole identity that actually starts to shift the way we live our entire lives. And we're not fighting to gain our identity. We're actually receiving his grace, what he is declaring over us, and we're yeah. receiving his grace. It actually empowers us to do some new things, to do, to go create the future. And so 
um, even as you were talking, Matt, I was thinking, like, again, just kids are such a beautiful picture of all three of these. Yeah, they you don't, are. Because you almost don't have to, <laughs> you don't have to, in a right, healthy, good family, because I'm, I'm admitting not every family is like that, and not every, not every kid got to grow up in this. But if you grew up in a family that had a really good father, which a great picture of God, not perfect, but maybe he just gave you a great picture of what a good father looks like and a good home looks like, you don't have to teach a kid to, they, they constantly live in all three of these circles. If you actually think about it, the mm. kids that really know who they are, because, and who they are is always associated to their dad, to their mo- mom and dad. Yeah. But when their mom and dad are healthy and good, they always feel so secure in their identity, right? Right. Kids don't, kids don't play, my, my three-year-old doesn't compare himself to other kids. He doesn't go, oh man, you know, I'm, I'm just not as good at my letters as, as Susan is. He doesn't, sure. he doesn't play with these shame voices. He doesn't have insecurity. He feels so secure right now as a three-year-old, and he knows exactly who he is. Yeah. He has a great relationship with us. He lives for a relationship and play. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't have to teach my kid how to play. <laughs> and then when you're a child and you grow up in both of those realities, you know what it naturally leads to is dreams. You have, yeah. you have these dreams of things that you want to go do. Work doesn't feel like a, I think what happens as adults is we almost feel like work becomes a burden. But when you're a kid, no one, it never felt like a burden. It was a dream. It was an adventure. It was an adventure you were going to go do. My son is convinced he can go play basketball for the rest of his life. (laughs) And and that's a beautiful thing. He has this dream and this, this aspiration and you can see it like it's, it's in the very fabric of who you are made to be. You are made to make a difference. You are made to be secure in your identity. You are made to have relationship with God and people. And really, you were created to like go do some really cool things. Go be a pioneer. Go take new ground. Go create something that's never been created before. And so, um, just kids are this almost this beautiful picture of all three of these things working together. And then ultimately, um, well, we can get we can get into this part later. I want to I want to hear anything else that, that you got a thought because then ultimately there's a way in which these three ultimately work together in advancing the gospel. Wow. Okay. I never really thought about that being ingrained to who we are, like that's what we were made to do in those areas. And even from being a kid, um, I can relate to that in my own life. I had a good relationship with my parents. I understood who I was and they really helped to shape who I am today by the certain beliefs and the things that they've taught me and prayed over me and talked to me about um, has made me who I am today. I, I started playing guitar. I'm now podcasting. I'm, I'm a missionary kid. I have these uh, things from my past that I, that that's who I am today. And I feel yes. like I'm living my life on purpose. I was gonna say you, and you so, are still childlike. When Jesus says like, you know, you, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you have to have a faith like a child. It's funny, Matt, because I, I look at you and I, I see that. I see that like that once you know the gospel, that spirit of my three-year-old really doesn't go away anymore. Yeah. It's like you, you kind of live in this childlike state of always really feeling secure, really having great relationships and really feeling like I can go do some, I can go write some, I can go make a podcast. I can write a book. <laughs> like, God, let's do this together. Yeah. There's like an excitement and a joy. It doesn't feel burdensome to actually carry out your purpose or work. Yeah. And, and then, so then the, the, one of the last things we, we usually talk about with the three circles. So then again, you put all those circles together and we were intended to live in every single one of those three circles. Um. But what we, what we say then is that one of the most important delineations, especially from religion, with the idea of what the gospel does, is that we say that's, that's why it needs to go in the order identity, relationship, purpose. 
It's almost like if you can if you can picture it in your mind, you're seeing the three circles intersecting. It's almost like a wheel that needs to turn to the right. It needs to turn to the right in your mind. So identity, sure. it's almost like identity f- bubbles into relationship. Relationship kind of turns down into purpose, and then my purpose keeps coming right back up to con- to giving me more new identities, more new identity, more assurance of my identity and who, yeah. who I am in God. And that's really important because, again, of everything we just said, identity determines behavior. But also, here's what we do often, is reli- and here's what religion does, is that actually, if you think about these three circles, it actually turns the circles and inverts them to the left. So what religion does, oh. what religion does is it starts in circle three, purpose. So religion says, go do a bunch of stuff, and maybe I can actually have a relationship with God. Maybe I can actually be in right relationship oh. with God. And then if I get there, then maybe he'll actually, he'll actually accept me. Maybe I'll actually be significant. Maybe I'll actually be significant. So not only can you see this, not only can you see this reality that the, the upside down nature of the kingdom, because not only is that how religion works, right? Perform, perform, perform. Maybe God will accept me. Right. That's how the world operates, really. If you really think about not just religion, but that's that's just how the world operates. Is is in your mind you think I can only quiet those identity voices by performing more, working harder, doing more. Right. You're having more money than the person next to me, having more status than the next the person next to me, more accomplishments. And so what the world does and religion does is it tries to turn the three circles. Because, again, I, th- I think this is so hardwired into the fabric of who we are. You can't, you can't avoid the three circles. Yeah. You, you, to be human is to have an identity. To yes. be human is to have relationships. To be yeah. human is to have purpose. You can't really avoid these things. They are, I don't care what you believe, what your theology is, you are made with these three things in your life. Yeah. The problem is we just go about it the opposite way to what the kingdom is inviting us to do. The kingdom is inviting us to slop, stop and receive his grace and that that will actually lead us to purpose. Yeah. The world and religion starts with go do a bunch of stuff and maybe we can actually be accepted. Right, and so that I think that the, I think some of the beauty of the three circles is that you can actually see how these work together, and especially someone that has really no context. Again, they they can all see they can see the truths behind these things even before you you have to show them you know forty scriptures. Oh yeah, yeah. You can see the truths of identity per, of identity relationship and purpose, and you can see how I've been living the opposite. <laughs> Yeah, because every again, me me included, right? You too, probably Matt. All of us yep. at some point in our time have found ourselves working these circles backwards because mm-hmm. it's how the world's taught us. It's how maybe religion has taught us. Yeah, and so we've all been trying so hard for someone just to say, "I'm proud of you." Right. We're trying so hard just to feel significant. <laughs> and here's the thing: Jesus is like, "You're you're already significant. Yeah. Would you just believe me? Would you trust me that you're already?" beautifully and fearfully and wonderfully made by me. Yeah. And if you'll believe that, there's all kinds of stuff we get to go do together. Yeah. It's a whole different upside down kingdom, right? (laughs) And so that's maybe one of my favorite things about the three circles is once you get this kind of locked into your mind, it's so transferable to anyone's experience with life. Yeah. Absolutely. Again, I don't, I don't have to know the. I may not know the Bible. I may not know verses, or I may have some very <laughs> misconstrued ideas of what the Bible says. But when you give me this graphical representation, I can see myself in the three circles. Yeah, I can see myself where I've done them reverse. I can see where I've missed the three circles, and I can start to piece together what Jesus really did. Yeah, how significant the gospel is in changing my life and changing who I am 
who God is, what I was created to do. Yeah. That's very interesting that God would start with you, Mm. um, that he died for you specifically, that he wants a relationship for you, that he has things for only you can do in your world that you're living on purpose. And so I, I really admire and applaud God for his interest in little old me. me? He doesn't start yeah. with like, okay, well, here's a uh, some stuff I want to get done. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Here's a list of everything that um, religion's going to have you do, and you've got to get like an eighty-five percent or better for me <laughs> to even start talking to you. Uh, when you were talking a moment ago, I was thinking of I don't remember how it ends, but the Emperor's New Groove two <laughs> Cusco. He wants the big thumbs up from Poppy, mm. the second one. Yeah, Kronk yeah. is he thinks he has to have. The, the huge house and the wife and the everything like that to get the big thumbs up from Poppy. Yeah. And through the movie, he's just going berserk trying to get everything together um, only to he lets his dad d- down somehow when there's conflict and there's something else. And then he he finally comes clean, I think, to his dad. And he's like, I was just trying to do all that. So you would give me the big thumbs up. And the dad's like, well, I already... He has him. I mean, the dad's kind of a hard nose anyway, as it's portrayed, which yes. isn't an accurate representation of who God is. But yeah. he ends up getting the big thumbs up from Poppy because he was proud of his son. Come on. He wasn't proud of all the things that he could do or couldn't do. I mean, he was a cook. He just loved to, to do food. And so that just meant the world to him. That was the whole purpose of the movie was to get that. And how often do we think that we can only be accepted by God for the things that we do. And there you go. You're starting at the backwards. You're starting, the yep, you're starting in circle three, trying to move up when you were yeah. never intended. You were intended to be drawn by grace, never driven by expectations. Oh, say that again. Come on. You were intended to be drawn by grace. Great. Receive his grace and be drawn into working with me. You were never supposed to be driven by expectations of what I need. Do, do, don't, can, yeah. can't, should, shouldn't. You were never supposed to be drawn by expectations of what you were supposed to do. Yeah. You're always supposed to be drawn by grace of who you now are. Ooh. This is just part of who you are now, son. This is like, right? It's like, I mean, it's, it's looking at my son and just being like, man, this is just who we are. Yeah. Like, dad, why do we help? Like, we help people just because that's just who we are. It's not, it's not something we have to do. It's just something we, we are, that's a very, fi- like it's in the fabric and fiber of who we are as a family. Yeah. And so it's just learning who you are, who God is and what you're created to do. Yeah. That's amazing. So we've been talking about the gospel. Let us actually go to the gospel because I remember some verses that are very short and very condensed, but very powerful because you can see all three circles in one verse. Give me one. Yeah, so in Mark 3, 14, it's Jesus talking. You can actually see it says, He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. So literally in one verse, you've actually got all three circles compacted down to one statement, which is it saying he appointed 12. So he set aside, called into a new identity, 12, 12 disciples, mm-hmm. that they might be with him, relationship. Yeah that he might send them out to preach purpose. So in one verse, wow. you've got all three circles actually colliding with how he commissioned the disciples that were following him. Yeah. You've got it also in 2 Corinthians 5, 
So if you want to actually even look in, in the New Testament letters, you have Paul writing, and he's got basically in three verses, all three circles represented about what, what does this now mean, uh, that what Christ has accomplished for us? He says that Paul writes it this way, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here, identity. Okay. Yeah. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, relationship. Mm-hmm. You jump down to verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. So you see it right there. You see Purpose. new creation, identity, re- restored relationship, reconciling us to God. Yeah. And ambassadors. We now have a purpose to actually live here as representatives of the kingdom of heaven on this earth. So you see it right there in like three verses yeah. with, with Paul, just condensing almost the whole gospel story into these three circles, these three, three realities. And then ultimately, if you actually want one of the best parables that Jesus tells about what the three circles, it's actually the, the parable of the prodigal son. Ooh, that's a good one. So, that, so most people are very familiar, right, with, with this parable of the prodigal son. We actually at our church usually call it the parable of the prodigal father. Because par- um, uh, prodigal actually means kind of extravagant lavishing. The idea is that the son obviously spent all his wealth extravagantly. Sure. But we actually see that the father is the extravagant one, right, in, in this whole story, that the strict extravagant forgiveness and love yeah. of the father. Yeah. But in this parable, you've, you might have heard it said, but Jesus says, hey, there's a man that has two sons, right? And the, and the younger son goes to his father one day and he says, hey, give me my share of the inheritance, he, he's ready to actually run from his father and start living up his life the way right. he wants to live it up. Yeah. And so, you know, what the father does is he's, he's compassionate and kind and actually gives him over to, to what he wants. And he, so he divides his property and the son goes and what does he do? He squanders his wealth right on, on I think the, the word is actually wild living. So he, he goes sure. and squanders his wealth on wild living. And then he finds himself right after he's lost everything. He's lost all his money, all his resources that the father had given him. He finds himself right in a pig pen. And so you have the classic image of him sitting in the pig pen, looking at what the pig slop that the pigs are eating. Right. And it actually says the phrase, he came to his senses. Yeah. And it's like in that moment, he finally wakes up to the reality that, man, life outside of my father's house is not good. Yeah. So what does he do? He does what we all do, which is what we just said with the three circles, right? He, he starts by saying... Maybe if I go back to my dad, I know I can't be his son anymore. So he's already assuming he can't have his identity. His identity is broken and gone. So what he's going to do, he's going to start from purpose. He's going to start from circle three. He says, maybe if I go and actually work as a servant or slave, because they they eat better than I'm eating right now, maybe I can go earn my way back to being his son. Yeah, okay. Again, a perfect picture of what every single one of us does with God. And so he, he, he gets up. And he goes back to his dad, rehearsing, right, the speech that he's going to give his dad about how he's going to be a slave and servant, work for God, sure. basically to get his get himself back into uh, good standings with his father. And what does it say, right? The father is looking on the horizon for his son as he starts to come <laughs> back. And then he, the father runs to the son. The son's not running to the father. The father's running after the son. Yeah. And the first thing the father says is, my son, my son, identity. Yeah. He doesn't matter how what his son has done doesn't matter how far his son has been, how much he's squandered his wealth. Right. He says, my son, my son. And then it says the very next thing that it says they, they embraces him. So the father actually walks up and embraces him. So not only my son, my son identity, he actually goes right back in for a relationship. Yeah. 
he holds him. Doesn't matter if he's covered in pig slop, he's gonna hold and embrace his son. And then the last thing he says is, hey, bring out the robe, the, ran- the, the ring, the sandals, put them back on him. Yeah. Because I want to restore his purpose back in my house again. He doesn't need to go be a slave again for me. He's, right. he's my son. He gets to work with me. <laughs> he gets to work beside me. Yeah. And so you see right there in the prodigal son story that it's actually the, Jesus sharing what, the, what happens with the gospel, which is all it takes is you just waking, coming to your senses and saying, I want to, res- <laughs> I, I need to go back to my father's house. Yeah. That, that the way that the world is doing things is not working. The yeah. way the way of striving, of achieving, of trying to work this these things backwards, if I'm really honest with myself, it is not working. So maybe I just need to go and actually back to the Father. I maybe I just need to go and actually start to try to receive the grace that God's already been trying to give me. Yeah. And as soon as you do that, man, he comes running. He comes running. He puts not only a new identity on you, he wants a relationship with you. And now he's got a purpose that he really wants you to walk out with him. Yeah. And so in this little pro- prodigal son story that we're also familiar with, you maybe have never seen that. It's really, it's the whole gospel in, in, a, in a parable, in a story that Jesus was trying to tell. Um, and it's really what he accomplished is now we get to be prodigal sons and daughters that now are actually um, beloved sons and daughters, right? Yeah. Prodigal ones that had squandered, wasted, uh, maybe maybe spent our lives in all the wrong ways. Right. But now we get to come home and be called beloved sons with purpose. And so you really see all over the gospels, all over the scriptures, these three circles all intertwining in these in these moments, right? And so it's yeah. it's we just think it's it's everywhere yeah. throughout the Bible. That's amazing. I was thinking of <clears throat> uh purpose when he gets the sandals, when he gets the robe, when he gets the ring, especially. Yes. He gets to go into the marketplace and use the ring on his dad's behalf yeah. to buy goods or something to bring back to the house. And what. Um, it's like he accredits the, credits the account. Yes. It's like, yeah, that's what grace does, man. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's like, I'm not just forgiven for the wild living I've done. I'm empowered to actually go spend some more money. <laughs> I'm actually empowered <laughs> to go spend my dad's money because he's, he's already got my purpose back to go be able to do this with him. Yeah. Absolutely. Doesn't make sense, right? It's <laughs> <laughs> not. It's grace. Um, I had another thought of how like sin and error play into this as well, because he um, was living in sin. He had squandered his father's wealth. He was yeah. apart and separate from the father, not in relationship, not knowing who he was, not doing anything. He wasn't working. He was yeah. spending all that he had and how there could have been judgment Yes. There could have been mercy as well given by the father, but he was essentially forgiven yep. and put right back into what he had. All the authority he had. Right. Yeah, exactly. All the authority he used to have, all the, yeah, all the, all the commandment he used to have over, mm-hmm. over, let's say the, the livestock, over whatever his responsibilities were. It was like, you know, you, you would think, right, that the father would be like, let me put you on a probation period here. Sure, like, yeah. see, like we, you just <laughs> see came, if you, you just changed. Exactly. Or... You just came through all this, this uh, wild living. Let me make sure, like, before I put you back over responsibility, authority, res- purpose, let me actually test these waters out, right? See if this is actually right. real. No. Right away, right? It's like he actually restores him right away to authority, to position, to power. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, again, it's ridiculous. It's yeah. ridiculous how he does that. But it is. It's all three circles coming together at the same time. You don't have to work your way to circle three. Correct. As soon as you put your faith in Jesus, you can have a relationship with him, and you can go start doing some things with him. They all work It all works at the same time. Oh. oh, and then I was thinking about, too, um, 
this must have been like it was before, only 10 and 100 times better because he hadn't known the depths of the Father's grace toward him. He had been living just in the house as a son and not understanding what being a son really meant until he had everything taken away or that he had of his own selfish desires living in sin apart from the father doing everything that what he wanted to do yeah. whenever he wanted to do it and then rock bottom yes and him coming to his senses that the turning part of the story realizing yes. that the state and the condition that you're in that you have essentially put yourself in yep of of being a sinner we yes. we go back to Adam and Eve in the garden, they were separate and how the whole nation of Israel for thousands of years were waiting for uh, grace, yeah. essentially. <laughs> yeah, because, they were. Because they had... Jesus said they were. They said that all the prophets were waiting for this, right. for me. Um, they understood judgment. They, they got exiled. They got excommunicated by God. They got hardships. They got nations fighting them. They understood mercy, the, the mercy seat. Yep, atonement. That, um, God was covering over and just like only for a little bit of time, but yeah. you got to do this next year. Yep. Come back. <laughs> and they understood mercy to a degree um, in those sacrifices that God had instructed them to do or something. And then in the person of Jesus, you have grace, yeah. you have truth, you have complete forgiveness, you have reconciliation back to God, you have well, okay, now that you're, <laughs> I mean, you're going to come to heaven one day, but you're still living on earth. So let's me and you yeah. get you're your power. Pur- let's wow. go. Yeah. I really like the way that all three of these circles, if you take just the two of them, yep. you can find verses that link maybe yep. link from one to the other. But then in the verses that we've looked at in the story of the prodigal son, all three of them are present and so... You, you can't minimize one. They Correct. all three have to be in Correct. full force, in total unity of like, yep. this is how it goes. Yes. After one domino falls, they are all falling and yes. everything is coming together. And it's by God's grace. Yes. Um, I have found, wow. so, so in the life of, a, of an actual follower of Jesus, because obviously that that's almost like the starting place, right? It's like you put your faith in Jesus, all those things awaken at the same time and the yeah. same reality. But then as you start to take next steps with him and, and try to grow this relationship, the temptation does become to live in one or two Ooh. of these circles at a time when okay. you're meant to, again, live in all three at the same time. And so, so what I mean is the, the temptation even for followers of Jesus is to still sometimes get locked in circle three or purpose. Get locked in, like yeah. um, back to striving a little bit, back to to performing, back to doing, not actually receiving His grace, and then being empowered again to go and do the things that He's asked. Or sometimes we live only in the relationship bubble, right? Right. Some some people live in the like, I just want to study the Word of God, and they know tons of verses of Scripture, and they can quote everything. But you're like, man, but you're missing so, such the calling to go make disciples, like. It's the, the purpose of that knowledge and that experience of his relationship was to was to actually go be fruitful and multiply, was right. to actually go be a blessing to the nations, right? And again, it's woven all throughout the scriptures. Yeah. And so what we, but the temptation, even for Christians, is to sometimes pick one. <laughs> it's like, I, I want to <laughs> pick one or two of the, ver, the circles and kind of live there. 
um, when we were actually created to always be simultaneously going through all three of these, right? I'm, yeah. I'm supposed to always remember who I am. I'm supposed to always spend time with the Father, always yeah. spend time in His presence around Him. The Holy Spirit now lives in me. And then I'm always created to go do the good works that He's prepared in advance for me to do. And all those are realities at the same time. But sometimes the temptation is to pick one or two of the circles right. and live there. Instead, we were never created to just stay inside one of them. Right. I remember Pastor John saying something to the effect of, uh, exactly what you're saying that you um, you're in the school and you never graduate from it. Yes, in, yep. in those kinds you never of terms, gra- you of never like, graduate from the school. Of you've got to keep going. Yes, in that rotation. Yes. Uh, well, all three of them being present at the same time, you can devote some time to um, understanding who you are. You can devote some time to understanding verses on who God is, and yep. devote some time to who you are created to do. But they're all working at this, they're all so interrelated yes. that they can be separate entities, but they're all working for the same together. common purpose. Yep. Yeah, totally. Exactly. To fulfill what God intended humanity to do and, yeah. to, and to be. Yeah. Yeah. See, again, you, you see the fulfillment of all of what it means to be human. Like, that's Again, that why I love the three circles. We don't probably say this at our church, but really why I love the three, three circles is like I said, it, it translates to this is what it means to be human. Yeah. To really be human. And it puts it in a language that isn't, again, I'm, I may know nothing about the Bible, I may know nothing about the Word of God, or I may have a lot of misconceptions, but but the three circles actually puts me in a pl- place of saying, this is, if you want to know what it's like to be fully alive, to be fully human, mm-hmm. let me walk you through these three circles. Yeah. And because, again, anyone can capture that this is this is really what God intended for all of humanity, why he made us, what, what we're created to do, who we are. Yeah. It's all tied up into this. Yeah. It's very true. It's very... God given. It's his yep. intention, his plan, his design. This is how we were made to be. If yep. Adam and Eve had not sinned in the garden, they They'd would still have, be we'd still be doing yeah, we'd still they be would doing have these. all three circles Correct. working because they would understand that they are yep. God's first creation. Yep. God being the creator. Yep. And he blessed them and said, Multiply like yes. we've got a whole earth that we can make yes. my kingdom. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to get too yeah. lost in the theology here, but I <clears throat> I find this super fascinating in the creation story. You obviously again can see the three circles at play, right? It, he he uh, breathes into Adam's nostrils and actually calls him his image bearer. This is my this is my image. Oh. It's a way of forming sonship and identity over him. Mm-hmm. Um, he wa- it says actually right that there's this phrase right. He walked with he walked with Adam in the cool of the garden. Yes, or mm-hmm. Adam walked with God in the cool of the garden relationship. Yes. And then he says, Genesis one twenty eight, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. So you do, you do see, again, it's, it's creation intended. It's what God has always intended for humanity. Yeah. But then what, here's what I really love, and most people don't can make the connection, is, is when God created the earth, it says everything he made was good. And I think sometimes as Christians we read that and we actually think he's, we actually subplant the word good with perfect. We, oh. we sometimes, and, and this sounds like a small delineation, but I actually think if you'll catch this, again, you catch the whole reason we exist. Because what he said is, you know, he made, hey, he, he separated the land from the waters. It was good. He, he made the night, the evening and the, and the morning, and it was good. Sure. He created the, all, the, all the creatures and all the fish and the sea and the humanity, and it was good. But it doesn't say it was perfect. It doesn't, perfect is almost the word, would be the word complete, whole, finished. Yeah. He just says it's good. So really... When he commissions, it's it's like we sometimes think work is like a part of the fall. Right. But really, he commissions Adam from the beginning. Hey, I've created this little garden, and it's really, really good. But it's not perfect yet. 
like there's so much oh. more I want to I want to partner with you to bring the fullness and completion of everything that I have made Whoa. across the entirety of the world. And so it's almost like he plants them in one garden and says, this is a really good thing. Now, will you walk with me and let's create this good thing everywhere? Let's make it perfect together. <laughs> so God almost intentionally Whoa. from the beginning of the Bible didn't start by making everything perfect and finished. Right. He, it's like I intentionally, it's like God's intentionally left it halfway undone right. <laughs> because he wanted, he so desperately <laughs> wanted to do this with us. Whoa. When he commissioned us to rule and to reign, it was over something real. It was over something really to go do and really to go to achieve. It yeah. wasn't, I saw, again, I think sometimes we get the picture of like, well, Adam and Eve were just trying to keep a good thing going. <laughs> like, right. like they were just like, hey, just don't mess this up. I think it's literally sometimes, again, how we, how we see the Genesis story is we're like, Adam and Eve just messed it up. They, their, their whole thing was, hey, guys, just don't mess this up. Right. Just don't, don't eat the fruit. But I was like, no, they actually had so much more to accomplish and do. You know? and, and so they, God actually created a world in which they were, they were going to go do a bunch of cool stuff, man. Right. And if you think eternity in heaven one day is going to be us singing you know, songs forever and doing nothing and sitting on clouds, again, I think you've missed the point of Genesis, of what, of what humans were created to do. We're going to, for all eternity, I, I've heard a, a friend of mine who's a theologian say, we're going to be park rangers <laughs> for all of Ooh, eternity, yes. which is like, we're going to be going <laughs> and like navigating new spaces, cultivating, planting, trying, you know, building things. We're going to yeah. be creative because that's what God's intention with humanity always was. And yeah. so I, I actually think it's really, really key to see that the gospel was, again, innately what it meant to just be human and to be fully human and to be fully alive, walking with God and doing some really cool stuff, man. We weren't, we weren't created to live with this tension of like, let me just not rock the boat. Let me just not screw up. Right. Which again, yeah. I think we can get, we can get lost there. We were, we we're supposed to try some things. We're supposed to risk some things. We're supposed to take, <laughs> like, we're supposed to go take what God has already made and make more of it and, and build more of it and create more of it. And so yeah. um, I think, I think it's actually really, really important, right? It's actually yeah. to get a good framework on what this means. Yeah. Uh, that reminds me of a term that we have been studying for since January. We are in the hope, the end of the Hope Carrier Initiative at uh, Valley Creek Church, but he talked about the kingdom. And I had never really made the distinction between the kingdom being its own entity and the kingdom having a church. And I wanted to talk for a few minutes as we... Uh, about clothes. Yeah. This has been really good. But the kingdom of God uh, is what Jesus was all about. He says, repent for the kingdom is at hand. He begins to describe it. He dies and is buried and is resurrected. And he's he's um, he's like, the, the kingdom's almost going to like stay here and wait for it. And it's they coming. get the, the infilling of the spirit in Acts and they begin to fulfill the purpose. They understand exactly why Jesus died. He's risen. That means we all have access to God and they begin to live life on purpose. Yes. Radically different. Radically, because (laughs) it's like Jesus left, you know, there were 120 in the upper room. Yep. Such a small number and had had anything uh, of this gospel account been false or falsified or it would have flopped. Oh, yeah. Should have died out quick. (laughs) Right. And so he commissions them. There's 12 apostles. There's 120 in the upper room. And they get the kingdom of God in them that they begin to live out. And that's what we've been talking about in this Valley Creek, which is really exciting because now you get to use all three of your circles, especially the purpose one. Yep. 
of like God's kingdom is supposed to be uh, made visible and made known. Yes. And you are you are living in the kingdom on earth. You are teaming up with God to change your world. You are a disciple yep. living on, on mission, mission. Yeah. to change your world. That's right. For the 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 good of man and the the glory of God is yes. what he said. For like when you go to work yep. and all these places, the kingdom of God can come into is they're, they're just all around you. Yep. And I remembered hearing a sermon one time when I was in Washington of this, um, I forget what branch of the military he was in, was talking about the same thing. Where There's these two kingdoms that are around you everywhere. You have the, the natural kingdom yeah. of like how stuff runs, but then there's a whole spiritual side to God's kingdom and God's way of doing things and God's view on uh, pick a subject. Anything, yeah. And when we're teaming up with God, we're actually releasing God's kingdom into the earth. And through this series, I've really been thinking about, well, how does God release his kingdom through me? And I have been more bold at my job. Yes. I've Come been, on, man. <laughs> I've been witnessing to guys. I've been Let's reading go. my Bible in the, in the way of, I'm not here just for the ticket to go to heaven or just to know God really well. Yes. I'm here to make a difference for other people. And yes. so via podcasting, via talking to my coworkers, via being a good dad, like God's kingdom can be found all of it. anywhere and everywhere. That's and right. so the the object and the goal of the game is to live in all three of these circles so that you couldn't tell a difference when God's kingdom came, if that makes sense, because yeah. you just transition right into it yes. is the goal. I so love that. When, when Jesus comes back, we'll just keep on doing what we're Correct. doing. We're partnering yes. with God. Yes. We're extending his kingdom. We're living in obedience. We're doing everything that the Bible says, not out of a, oh, I'm so scared and I have to make sure I hit all that, but like out of a willing and obedient heart. Joy, as a joy. That, right? like, yeah. If I can make God proud, that my life is yeah, my life is complete. Come and on, so, it's cool. It's yeah. the truth is, Matt. Right? It's it's beautiful because it's like He already says over you, "I'm already proud." Yeah. When I look at you, Matt, I'm already proud. Let's just go. Ha- let's just go have fun. That's why. That's why it is. <laughs> we we're not. You know, we actually intentionally chose the word hope. We're not king, you know, we could say we're kingdom carriers and that'd be true. Oh, sure. We could say we're, we're truth carriers and that would be true. We could say, um, you know, we're righteous carriers and all those things that were holy carriers, right? Those right. all, those would all be true, but we chose the word hope because man, the, the world is desperate for hope. Yeah, they are. The world is desperate for hope. And so we get to just walk into any environment. One of the most simple ways when someone's like, I don't, I don't really understand the etherealness of the kingdom of God. I'm like, man, you know what the kingdom of God is like? It's like walking into it the opposite with the opposite spirit of whatever the world would do in this situation. Right. So it yeah. really does tangibly meet you right on the ground of reality. It's not a, just ethereal thoughts of kingdom. Well, kingdom of God, I can't understand that. Right. Really, it's like when the world would be angry right now at your boss, you're going to choose to forgive and be kind to your boss. Yeah. When you want to yell at your kids, you're going to slow down and be patient with your kids. You're going to look your kids in the eyes. You're going to actually tell them you love them and still you can still discipline them, but right. you're going to you're going to do the opposite spirit of what the world does. And just by doing those things, the kingdom of God is is at hand. <laughs> the yeah. kingdom of God is being advanced and released into every atmosphere that you find yourself in. And then I think, yeah, you you start to live with a kind of boldness that's that's supernatural 
yeah. but also but also natural. It's, oh yeah, it is, it is it is heaven meets earth. The the overlapping of the Garden of Eden was never supposed to be just heaven, and we also ended up with just earth. We were always supposed to have an overlap of heaven and earth. Yeah, it was supposed to be the kingdom of God meeting the kingdom of this world, in a very real way. Right there's the, there's the verse in Revelation that says the kingdoms of this world have become the yeah. kingdoms of Christ, of our God, yeah, of our God. And so, really, it's the overlapping of the physical and the heavenly in one environment. So, the kingdom of God, the gospel, these three circles, all these things were were meant to live in flesh and blood, in in real bodies, in real yeah. places, as real dads and coworkers and friends and brothers and uncles and everything yeah. and everywhere we find ourselves. The kingdom of God was meant to be this intersection of both what it means to be physical and alive. And also spirit, right? Yeah. And, and more than just what's physical, if, yeah. that makes, if that makes sense. It does. I think my mom had got this from um, a pastor when she was going to Bible school, Brother Hagen, who said, the natural and the supernatural work together to make a mighty explosive force for God. So it isn't one or the other. Yes. Okay. But how, how much do we usually tip towards one oh, or the man, other? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We think that we have to... Uh, yeah, it's only su- it's only supernatural. I can pray, but only... I, I can that's all I can do. Right. It's like I can pray, that's all I can do. I, I, <laughs> Lily, it's funny we laugh, but it's like I actually I think a lot of Christians I hear that from them. Well, there's there's oh, really nothing yeah. I can do but pray. And I'm like, mm. well, you you can pray, and God created you to to be able to work and to do yeah. some things. Like you can right. you can do both. It's spiritual and physical. Yeah. yeah. I also heard the one that was it's kind of similar to that in that. Uh, it says, uh, maybe it might have been Martin Luther. I need to check my source. He goes on to say, pray like it all depends on God, and then work as if it all depends on you. I, so love, the, I love that. Man. I think that is the intersection of heaven and earth. So God has all the power available, Yes, and he's waiting for you to yes. get off your butt and start yes. doing something. And so you, you can't steer yes. a parked car. <laughs> Go start in a direction. Put your accelerator on, use a turn signal, get some direction, Yep. and begin to move in Forward. that direction. Yes, I love that. It's Again, it's, it's just so over the gospel. It's all over the gospel. Yeah. Jesus to a leper, or to the, to the man, sorry, the, the paralyzed man on the mat. He says, uh, do you want to yes. get, get well? And what does he actually say? He says, reach out your hand. There's this physical act, but it's also this supernatural healing, and it's all happening at the same time. He doesn't, you know, Jesus doesn't... It's almost, we use the phrase, right? It's like, we can't do it without God, but God won't do it without us. Yeah. He, he has willingly chosen that. He yeah. won't do it without our consent, our action, our, our behavior. Our yeah, yeah that's, that's a great word for it. Our participation. He could. He doesn't need us. But, right. he, but he has willingly chosen to make himself limited and vulnerable to our behavior, choices, preferences, whatever we actually want to do. He has limited himself. Talk about the humility of God. Yeah. He has limited himself to say, I'm actually, I won't do it. Because, <laughs> because, because you realize if he did, it would actually be the antithesis of love. It would, it would yeah. actually, I like to say it this way, like Jesus is a gentleman, so he will never force himself on anyone. Yes. Right? So if you don't want it, he's not going to force it on you. Correct. He's not going to make you do it. But all of creation and Jesus... Is just waiting for people to say, "I'm. I want it, Jesus. Yeah, I want you, and I want to get in the game. 
Like, I, I want to get in the game of, of multiplying and being fruitful. I want to get in the game of making a difference and changing my world. Yeah. I want to be in the game, God, of not only praying and seeing your power, but also seeing it in the lives of people, seeing it in my life, seeing it in the, in the yeah. here and now, right? Heaven is not a place you go. Heaven starts today, right? Heaven is, yeah. a, is a very spiritual reality right now. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, you are both, again, physical and you are heavenly already. Yeah. <laughs> it's already a deposit of the future with you. And so, yeah, it's it, it's all of that mixing together, I think. And, the, and what the power of this Hope Care Initiative has been has, I think, hopefully been awakening. Yeah. That's a, that's a word that God's kept using for me lately is just wake up, O oh sleepers. Let, let Christ's light shine on you. Yeah. And so it's like this idea that, man. We are called to such a great purpose. Yeah. We are called to such a great reality of, of advancing the gospel, advancing the kingdom, of being bold. We should be the most, we should be the biggest risk takers in the world. We should be oh, the yeah. most innovative people in the world yeah. because we have this mind of Christ. We have the spirit of God living inside of us. We yeah. have a partnership with the divine, yeah. <laughs> truly. <laughs> and I think sometimes we just miss it, right? It's like we miss it and we don't see that there's this partnership going on right now. And that we can be the most adventurous, the biggest pioneers, the biggest risk takers. And the church that has thrived has always been those things. Yeah. It's just sometimes we lose it. We lose sight of all three of these circles. We lose sight of who we are. And the American church in particular, I think, has lost sight of all three of these circles working together to actually yeah. be a follower of Jesus. Because again, every, every the Acts church was a perfect model of, man, 120 people can move with that kind of power. Yeah. And that okay. make that kind of a difference and truly change. I mean, they, they did change their world and yeah. the world. They didn't. Okay, <laughs> we say, we sometimes say change your world because the world is too big, but they changed the world. Like 120 literally. people changed the world literally to Matt Johnson and Eric Summerhauser sitting in a room right now as yeah. followers of Jesus 2,000 years later. Like, man, they, they changed the world because they believed all three of these things worked together at the same time and they didn't pick and choose. They didn't live in one area or the other. They actually saw that, man, the kingdom of heaven is at hand right now. Today is the day of salvation. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is important. This is urgent. And we have been created to do some things. Like, yeah. man, we've been created to, to bring heaven into earthly circumstances and realities. <laughs> How good. It's inspiring, it right? Makes yeah, me makes me want to get up out of here and go do some stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, it's like, man, I was man, I'm created to do some really cool stuff today. Like, yeah. I want to go do it. Get it. Nice. Eric, it has been wonderful talking with you about these three circles. I thank you for your time. Do you have uh, any closing thoughts? Man, I just say if if you are feeling like the prodigal, Genuinely, that's how I feel for the American church. But just if you're a follower of Jesus, or even if you're not, this phrase of come to your senses, hmm. like even even for a moment, can you be present enough to just look at your life and be like, what what's going on? God, what who are you? What's what's happening around me? And come to your senses and actually awaken and let the grace of Jesus truly shine on you. Let the yeah. grace of Jesus truly awaken you. Because I just think the world is, like I said, desperate for Christians to believe the gospel. Yeah. Actually believe, right? To act as if we really believed that God is real, mm -hmm. the gospel is real. And this now changes everything. Yeah. I think, we're, I think the world is desperate for us to do that. So, man, awaken. Awaken, O oh sleeper. <laughs> <laughs> Get it. 
something I just thought of also as my closing comment on our time together was the prodigal son. Notice how when he came to his senses, he felt very sorry. He was just filled with repentance and he was, in a sense, coming back to the father on his hands and knees to see if there was any way at all he could be just one of the uh, the least servant. I'll work part. I'll do whatever it takes. And he had such a awareness of his fault and his sin and his distance from the father and where he was at and all the stuff that he thought was going to happen in his life did not. He, I don't know, he was going to, what was he going to do with his money? He's going to get a huge mansion, a car, not work a day in his life, have enough money to live in this party state till he died. The American dream. The American dream. And he's left with nothing. Uh, he's hungry. He's destitute. He's apart from the father. He's squandered his wealth. He took a good hard look at himself. He came to his senses. He was so apologetic and so repentant of the state he was in of like, I've, I've ruined my life. I've wasted all of my dad's inheritance. I've, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son is, are his exact words that I've fallen so far that I could, I mean, I could try work for it. But, um, I was impressed with that. He, he didn't be like, oh yeah, I'll just go back to dad and things will be fine and be proud. He was so filled with repentance that that's where it started. Humility and brokenness. Man. And then he, Humility and brokenness he knew where is to a big go. Deal. Yeah. He had nothing else. Yep. No other friend, nothing else to turn to, no other freebie, anything. But he knew that his dad would at least talk to him a little bit and be like, um, yeah, you can be a servant. <laughs> he, and he got welcomed back in. So yes. man, what a word. Yes. Come on. That has been an episode of Deep Thoughts, Simple Truths. Uh, Thank you guys for listening, and I will catch you next time.